Hello out there, all you deadly friends, you new nightmares, you vampires in Brooklyn. You're listening to The Shuddering, a film podcast covering vintage and modern horror cinema as served up by our favorite streaming service, Shudder. My name is Nick Rocco Scalia, one of your two co-hosts, joined as always by your other co-host, Chris Oliphant. And Chris, I know you appreciated the little tribute to Wes Craven I threw in at the top of the show there. I love it. New Nightmare. But, uh, oh, wait. yes, Vampire in Brooklyn. All three are Wes Craven pictures. Wow. Good yeah, job. Two of them lesser Wes Craven films. One of them a Stone Cold classic. I love New Nightmare. It is. And, uh, you know, I actually, <laughs> I did the whole Wes Craven filmography a couple years ago, as you know. And uh, Vampire in Brooklyn, not as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> really? Because I saw it when I was in like fifth grade and I was like, oh, that movie's not good. I don't know. Maybe I just missed out on the subtleties of it or something. Anyway, we're not talking about anything related to Wes Craven tonight. I just thought it was, you know, I don't want to forget the guy. I mean, he has not been with us for a while now, and he was such an important figure in the genre. And Mm. I know you're a big fan. You did the whole filmography. I love some of his stuff. I miss the interviews with him. Tonight, we're actually talking about witch movies, although much like the last episode where we were thinking we were going to be doing zombie movies, I think only one of the films we're talking about qualifies officially as a witch movie but we are talking tonight about 1983's Eyes of Fire and then 2018's The Witch Part 1, The Subversion, which is titled The Witch, same as the Robert Eggers movie, but it does have the subtitle appended to it, and uh, not really a witch movie at all, we've discovered. Yep, I would agree with that statement. (laughs) still an interesting choice for the show and the yeah. main character in that film is referred to as a witch at one point so that's close enough yeah it's more um of an analogy i think really that they yeah. try to do in the movie there so she's metaphorically a witch i like that we'll yes. get to that one uh later on in the show though we're gonna do eyes of fire first so welcome back chris i gotta tell you like we'll, we'll we'll do our recommendations here i don't have any this week but i have not stopped thinking about return of the living dead 3 since we recorded <laughs> last episode since we talked about that film i don't know what it is like i i'm recommending it to people that i've been I, you know i just like this is my life right like people ask me about movies and i talk about movies and not all of them are horror fans but because i watch so much horror for this show and just kind of in general it always comes back around to horror films and I'm trying to explain to people why that movie is so great and why I think it's like a a five-star movie like I rated it on the show and I don't know I'm not sure if my reasoning (laughs) sounds like logical or sound but I stand by it I really really loved that movie and it is the best thing I've seen quite some time I mean it's got river man what more do you want Riverman's awesome. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Like if he had branched off into a whole other franchise, I would have watched all those movies. Like they didn't do that back then in the 90s. They didn't have the interconnected cinematic universes. I would have seen like the Riverman origin story. Oh, my God. Return of the Riverman. Dude, (laughs) let's get Brian Yuzna on the phone. I want to see that movie. Shuddering Studios is going to produce the uh, the Return of the Riverman or oh, the origin. I like uh, I like the beginning. Riverman begins. Yeah, and I mean, that's what I love about doing this show so much. Is you just, I mean, we go in blindly to so many of these things. It's like you just never know when you're going to come across this total fucking gem. 
So uh, well, especially this week, like yeah. you know, I I'm not gonna say I know every movie ever made, right? Particularly like older movies, but I used to read the Leonard Malton movie guide like religiously, right? Like I didn't I don't know about cover to cover, but I used to get the new edition every year, and there were like other ones too. There was the Video Hound movie guide. I used to really be into just reading those capsule reviews, those movie reviews, and these like huge books of just every movie you can think of that was on your video store shelf. And so not that I read every single page, but I looked up so many movies in there and then I'd go to that page and basically read everything else on those pages. So I probably did read every single review in those books and I had still never heard of Eyes of Fire. I had never heard of this one either. And I mean, yeah, this is like, this is a, a classic example of Shudder shining light on a movie that actually looks like it did um, have a theatrical release back in 1983 and made a couple, a few million dollars. So, I mean, it was it was definitely there in that period of, uh, you know, the, the horror explosion of the, of the early 80s, but a lot different than most of the other stuff coming out. I was going to say so different from yeah. most of those films that maybe that's why it was kind of forgotten because I've seen way worse movies from that period that people look at as, as classics. We'll get into it, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I agree with you. Like, it's one of the things that makes this show a lot of fun is that the Shutter Library is so expansive. It also, as we've talked about before, I mean, their definition of horror and, and their definition of what they can actually include I mean, it is, it stretches beyond horror into other types of genre films, which The Witch Part 1 absolutely is. And I think it's pretty cool that that's there. Like, there's definitely things in The Witch Part 1, the subversion. I'm going to just read the entire title every time, by the way. Um, <laughs> I think there's a lot in that film that might be appealing to horror fans, but it can't really be classified as a horror movie. And that's pretty cool that you just stumble upon that. And maybe you had no intention of watching it, but I think there's some stuff in it that you'd really like yeah i i will i will save my comments for uh when we discuss the film but i agree with what you're saying wholeheartedly i have seen a couple movies that i i want to recommend nick and uh, well uh, good you got to take over recommendations this time because i've got nothing well except texted... for watch return of the living dead three again yeah <laughs> um i have to report on this new movie called the outwaters directed by robbie banfitch I uh, believe it's um, his first film. And I had seen advertisements for this since I got the uh, Scream box streaming application. And, you know, I, I really haven't watched it for much. Like, I pretty much bought that app just to see Terrifier 2. But, like, it's funny because I, I think I mentioned this before. A lot of the content on there, like, already is on Shutter. I kind of have summed it up to be, like, a sort of B-level Shutter streaming service. I mean, no offense to it. It's, it's fine and everything, but, um, the outwaters was like this, the, the new seemed like they were kind of gearing this up to be like their new big release. And, um, you know, I try to avoid this sometime, but I did, I did watch a trailer, which really freaked me out. And I got to tell you, man, this movie found footage movies. We've, we've talked about before on this podcast. I think, uh, the taking of Deborah Logan is the one that, is that the only found footage film we've done? Uh, and, and Hell House, Hell House LLC. Ah, uh, yes, we did, we did Hell yeah. House. Yeah, and they're 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 sort of hit or miss with me. Uh, this is one of the best I've seen. The stuff that they do with the camera in this movie, and just the, I mean, you really can't 
talk about this movie that much without giving too much away. And also a lot of it is going to be left up to interpretation. I will, I will say this much. It starts off as a very straightforward film about, you know, these friends that get together and they're just going to go camping in the desert. And that's all they're going to do. But it's really cool because like a couple of them are musicians and it's just it's basically like a hangout movie, like for the first half. And there's not much happening. And I'm thinking, oh, God, here we go. And then it just gets so like, I don't even know how else to describe it other than hallucinogenic and bizarre and strange and dark and absolutely terrifying. Like when I put together my theory, which I'm pretty sure is accurate as to what this whole place that they go to turns out to be, I was absolutely terrified by it. I mean, I just sat there on the couch like, wow. And there was a scene at the end for any of you out there who have seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I mean, my only, my only criticism of it is that like a lot of found footage films, there's a ton of shaky camera stuff. There's a lot of times where you're just like, you wish you could see more in the frame, but it's really trippy. And, the music is fantastic and the acting is great. And I just think it's as far as found footage films, it's one of the better ones I've seen in quite a while. And I give the filmmakers uh, just a lot of credit for its uniqueness. I've never seen really anything like this film. So if I had to hedge my bets, man, like I think you're going to really like this film. I'm I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, I've been reading a lot of things about it. And then your recommendation, it does mean a lot to me, Chris. You should know that. I mean, I, <laughs> I think you and I, I mean, we like talking movies, obviously. But, you know, you and I kind of know each other's tastes at this point. And when you recommend a movie to me, I definitely am going to watch it. Like, there's never, there's very few things where you said to me, eh, I'm not that interested in that. I hope it's the same way with me. Like, I think we kind of oh, know yeah. after podcasting for as long as we have on this show and many, many others before it, like, we get a pretty good sense of what 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 either one of us or what both of us are into. So yeah, I I'm looking forward to that one a lot. I, there are earthquakes in this movie. Um, there's nothing scarier than the desert after seeing this. And Nick, I will tell you this cause you'll appreciate it. Our friend Brian Verderosa could never watch this movie. Cause there's like some snake shit going on at a certain point that is just <laughs> fucking so scary, dude. Like, he, I mean, he would run out of the room. So the outwaters, I'm very glad I saw it. I'm going to recommend that. And then also, I finally got around to seeing Megan. Uh, you, I, I took your advice. I did really want to see that in theaters, but didn't get around to it. Um, I generally watch anything that James Wan has anything to do with. I know he was only a producer on this one, but, uh, you know, this movie was murdering it at the box office and the trailer was really great. And I took your advice and waited for the unrated version to come out. And even with this uncut version, it still comes in at about 96 minutes. That's one thing that's excellent about it. It's I very I well actually read the unrated cut is like a minute shorter. Like they took some Could other be. stuff out and added in like some some blood that made it more explicit I, or whatever. It almost made me want to watch the rated version to see what the differences were. But the movie is really well polished. It looks beautiful. The performances are fantastic. And the pacing, the movie is over before you know it. I mean, it just, I'm, I'm not surprised at all that just due to the success and the quality of the film that they've already greenlit a sequel to this. But I think I had told you it kind of reminded me of like, like Ex Machina, like, and then elements of the Terminator and elements of, uh, of course, Child's Play. I mean, this is one of the most realistic portrayals of artificial intelligence I've ever seen. 
And that's what really freaked me out about it. I mean, there were a couple scenes in this movie where I was like, you know what the scariest part about all of this is? It's like fucking here. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like this is like, that's what's scary is that like, this is here. I remember Ex Machina, please help me remember the brilliant director's name of that film. Alex Garland. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Oh my God, I love him. And and that, to, to, to date, I always said like, that was probably the most believable AI movie I'd ever seen and something that was just like, you know, as far as the the whole concept of, you know, simulation and um, software and, and robots being able to feel emotions and things like that. I mean, and, and since then, I've seen a few pictures with with similar plots and aspects, but nothing had ever topped Ex Machina. I'm not going to say that Megan is a better movie, but it's pretty damn close. And um I can see why it did so well. Like it, it definitely, you can tell it was made for commercial audience. There's like, there's plenty of good comedy in it as well. And it does get pretty brutal. But for me, the thing that scared me the most was just like, if you had this, this Megan doll, you know, what kind of effects would it have on your child? Um, you know, if you had the perfect parent, like how much of a parent would you even have to be if you had this thing? So like the, the movie kind of, uh, analyzes that a little bit and the effects that that having this AI in your life would have on your life and your family. And I don't know, it, it, it was really good movie and I would definitely recommend it. I, I can't imagine that you wouldn't like this movie. I do know there were a few others this year, like you weren't blown away by Barbarian and you weren't blown away by Smile. Um, this movie is as least, at least as good as those. So I would definitely give it a shot. Yeah, looking back, I mean, I think I was disappointed by all the big horror releases last year, and and I tried, you know, I really, I put in a, a good effort to see them all, and I mean, the one I think I liked the best was Nope, but the my favorite part of that was not the horror stuff at all, I liked the first half, I would have just continued watching that as just a straight comedy drama kind of movie, so yeah, I mean, I was let down a lot last year, but I'm still open-minded, I still love you, horror genre, and I know that, that we will be friends again, so, and, and none of those movies were bad, uh, for me, I mean, I, I really right. enjoyed Barbarian and I enjoyed a lot of Smile. It just, you know, they, they didn't live up to the hype for me, but I'm still open minded. And yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, it was kind of silly to wait for the unrated cut on my end because everybody was going to see it. And I probably should have seen it when it was like the, the hot button movie of the time. But I don't know. I'm, I'm still planning on checking it out. I am a huge, huge fan of Ex Machina and, and pretty much everything Alex Garland has done. I haven't seen men yet, but I'm sure I'll like it because I've liked literally everything else he's ever had any kind of involvement with. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think that doll is terrifying looking. I mean, uh, it was a great trailer. It was really how I didn't see it based on that trailer that was just phenomenal. I, I don't know. It's it's like it looks so she looks so real. It's crazy. And all of it when I, when I said it's polished, you know, it definitely has that just that sort of Hollywood polished look to it and not in a bad way. And also there's nothing difficult to understand about it. It's a super straightforward story. And I don't know, there, there wasn't, I kept trying to find things about it to find unbelievable and was kind of struggling with it, which kind of scared me. And then quick shout out, Nick, I know you'll appreciate this chipping away at my horror movie list that Alex and I are curating from the trivia game that we've been practicing for the last couple months now. Uh, I went back and I watched the great movie Don't Look Now with Donald Sutherland, which was a movie you oh, and I discussed years awesome. ago. Awesome, yeah. What a 
fucking gem that movie is. Uh, just beautiful, beautiful film. And uh, I forgot how melancholy it was. Like, it's just just sad film. But after seeing some Argento films and some other Giallo films, like, it's it I, I just could appreciate it a lot more. I love how it's set in Venice and, you know, just the, the, the setting and the, and the town and the story. And Sutherland's awesome. Uh, if you guys want to watch uh, old school, I think Don't Look Now is 1973. Yep. Um, if you want to see a, an, an old school horror classic, uh, check out Don't Look Now. Uh, beautiful movie. Yeah, incredible filmmaking there. The editing is fantastic. The acting is unbelievable. Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie. That ending is one for the ages, one for the books. Yep. If you like, hopefully you haven't had it spoiled for you. I had it a little spoiled for me before I saw the film. It's a great film anyway, but if you don't know how that movie ends, oh man, you're you're in for something. I mean, it's a slow burn. It's a very slow paced movie. Uh, although there's some very graphic sex in it, so that's something that will <laughs> probably keep people's attention. Supposedly unsimulated. I don't know if that. That's true or not, but I know that's one of the other things it's it's very famous for or very well known for. But yeah, I think it, it's a really great piece of filmmaking by a director who didn't do a lot of horror, but like just kind of made his impact on the genre just with that one film. I, I don't think Rogue did a lot of other horror. I, nothing else is memorable or as notable as Don't Look Now. But that's the thing is the movie doesn't even necessarily, it is a horror film, but it doesn't even really have to be. It's like, no. it, it's just a good movie on its own. And yeah, you are right. I had forgotten about that. Uh, and I couldn't believe it because when it started, there is a scene that's basically like a uh, a, a basically a basic instinct level <laughs> like sex scene in there that's just like goes on and on and on. But um, you know that's because the movie is it's 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 just about loss and and being a parent and and relationships and grieving and it's a it's a pretty sad film. But I found it. Um, I love that that uh, Donald Sutherland's job is like he's an architect that has to like restore these old churches and stuff like that. And it's just I don't know. It's just a beautiful, beautiful film. Uh, So that's what I got there. The Outwaters, Megan and Don't Look Now. That's a pretty good triple bill right there. I mean, I don't know if I do that necessarily in that order. I think I'd probably start with Don't Look Now because that's the one you have to invest the most thought and time into. But the other two, you know, that to be a nice. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen The Outwaters yet. Dude, The Outwaters is a two hour movie. Like, you're not going to believe it. It's just, God, it just, once it, once it gets going, it just doesn't fucking stop. It's like, oh my God. So I would say out of those three, watch that one first. All right. Well, I hope on our next episode, I can tell you my thoughts on the Outwaters. <laughs> I doubt it, but who knows? Who knows what could happen between now and then? We'll see. But I, I am looking forward to seeing it and definitely Megan as well. And probably someday I'd like to watch Don't Look Now again, because that movie's great. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, we've got some flicks to talk about tonight. Two kind of sort of witch movies. One of them a, a discovery out of literally nowhere. The other one, well, the witch part one, the subversion, like that was, I think, a pretty recent addition to Shudder. So I don't know, like I felt like I had heard of that movie and I knew kind of what it was. But Eyes of Fire just was, I don't know where that movie came from. We'll have to talk about that a little bit. We'll be right back to get into it. It was a time of witchcraft. Of hangings. Of horror. Of magic. They were outcasts on a desperate voyage to the promised land. What they found was a terrifying world. Strange land. 
All right, we are back to talk about 1983's Eyes of Fire, written and directed by Avery Krauts, who was a, a filmmaker I had never heard of up till this point. He only made three movies his entire career. I believe he is still alive. He's a photographer by trade, and I think that accounts for a lot of the, the very striking look of this movie, but I guess kind of made a few films moderately successful. I think this was the one that made the best critical impression and then left the business, left the industry. And... I think that's kind of unfortunate because there's a lot of things in this movie that I think are definitely the signal of someone who really knows what they're doing as a filmmaker. But this is a period piece, which I didn't know. I didn't know anything about this movie. Like literally you had chosen the witch we were going to do. We're, we've been on this kick of like classic horror villains, right? Like we did a vampire episode. We did a yes. zombie episode. And now we're on to witches. We're not always going to do things this way. Like eventually we'll get back to directors or national cinema. We, we did a lot of episodes that were like that or, you know, current events kind of thing. Like if there's a holiday coming up, that's usually how we pick movies. And I feel like we've been a little bit, I don't know about lazy exactly, but we've been going back to just sort of the tropes of horror, right? Like what are the subgenres? What are the obvious subgenres or what are the obvious villains of horror movies? And this is the third episode in a row where we're doing that. So next time around, we won't uh, like, so what, what would be next after witches? We did vampires, zombies, witches. Um, serial killers, maybe. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, what else we could do? Um, I mean, zombies. Or wait, no, we already did zombies. Oh no, we definitely did zombies. Well, oh, yeah, well we I mean, did, did we? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> anyway, uh, oh, um, creature feature. Any kind of creature, creature feature. Sure, monster yeah. movies. Yeah, aliens. I mean, we could continue that week to week to week, but we won't. Anyway, this film, I I really knew nothing about it, and you had chosen The Witch, so I was like, okay, I need to find a witch movie. And what I was looking for on Shutter that I couldn't really find was, and Chris, maybe I made this up, but I don't think so. I thought there was like this entire subgenre of films from Europe, like in the early 1970s, like right around the same time as Bay of Blood, that were like very stylish, very sexy witch movies with like you know the the usual sort of European style about them and made by filmmakers who had worked in and you know like alongside Argento and people like that and I just couldn't find any of those films on Shutter so I'm wondering did I just make that up no they were there there was a whole like chunk of them a couple months ago that's what I, I thought and they must have pulled them off a of Shutter oh uh, I can tell you why I I have um actually a pretty funny confession to make I watched one of those movies I don't even remember what it was called, and it was so bad, I, 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 I couldn't believe it. I wish we did have an opportunity to talk about it on the show, and I wish I remembered what it was, but, and it didn't, you know, you could you could read most of the reviews from everybody were just like, I mean, it is basically just like a softcore porn movie with like no real story to it. I don't know. And I, and I had a feeling some of the other movies seemed similar in that wheelhouse, but yeah, they were all like, you know, like witch movies, sexy European witch movies. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was looking for <laughs> when I couldn't find it on Shutter, and then I didn't even know how to look it up. Right? Like, how do you find like a genre of sexy European witch movies? So I was like, did I was that a fever dream that I had or something? Yeah. Like, did that never actually happen? But I, thank you for confirming that I'm not insane and not just fantasizing about movies that Dude. don't exist. But anyway, I I'm, I was looking for a film to do, and when I couldn't find that, I'm just browsing the Shutter library, and I think I 
actually found Eyes of Fire under folk horror, which mm-hmm. is a genre I really like a lot. You know, I, I'm pretty mm. outdoorsy. I love the idea of nature being like a, a factor in a horror movie and the idea that we have kind of uh, in, intruded on nature somehow. And so nature's coming back at us in some way and like ancient legends and spirits and things like that, you know, that predate religion and those kinds of things. Like, I think that's a very creepy idea. I also love the woods. I love the outdoors. So anything folk horror is definitely right in my wheelhouse. So that's where I found this movie, but I didn't know anything about it. It got some pretty good reviews on Shudder and I thought, what the hell, let's give it a shot. Uh, And uh, like really no name actors in this. I mean, everyone in this has gone on to other things. Um, I think the most notable cast member is a guy named Rob Paulson, who became a voice actor and and did Pinky in the Brain, which was a show that I really liked when I was a kid. And I, I know a lot of other people did as well. But as far as recognizable names and recognizable faces, this movie really has none. I mean, it's not a no budget movie. I think it's had like a $2 million budget, which was somewhat okay for a horror movie in the early 80s, but definitely one that flew under the radar. Certainly a B movie, certainly an independent film. And I thought a very good independent film. I mean, thought one that uh, that had some things in it that I was not expecting. And, you know, it's certainly a campy and cheesy movie at times. I mean, it's it's not the most... Like, sometimes I kind of wonder how serious it's taking itself, but then there's other moments that are, like, legitimately, like, nerve-jangling scary in it. And there is a shot that, like, I I don't want to spoil it, but there is one shot in this movie that I think is an all-time classic horror shot. Like, I'm going to recommend it to people just on the basis of this one shot. But I don't know. Where do we want to start with Eyes of Fire? And I, I could try to recap the plot. It's... Uh, Before you do, before you do, yeah, sure. I just find it. I want to mention. I find a huge amount of comedy in the fact that you were looking for this like swanky early seventies, like (laughs) you know, which movie, and instead we had this like mid seventeen hundreds folk period piece movie like it's it couldn't be farther from what you're well there's actually a ton of nudity in this movie but it's like the least sexy nudity i've ever seen and pretty close to the least sexy i shouldn't say the least but it's not very appealing i don't know why like you know i'm not into like 70s softcore movies but for some reason i don't know maybe i read somewhere along the line about those european witch movies from the 70s that they had just like a cool style or something like that and Mm. i kind of just wanted to see one for myself but i guess that's going to have to be another conversation for another day. Dude, Maybe Shudder will get them back. But yeah, this is pretty far from that. Although, I don't know, there's some some weird <laughs> sexual overtones in this movie that I thought were kind of interesting. There's a lot of cleavage in this as well. One of the characters <laughs> does not dress like a Puritan. I'll no, say that. Nick, let me put it to you this way. Whatever movie it was I was watching, and I know it was on Shudder, I literally had to like draw the blinds in my house. Like I was like, <laughs> I, no one can drive by and look at my television screen or like, I was hoping that, like, you know, no one would, like, come to the door because it was that. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> no, you don't understand. It's a European art film from the 70s. <laughs> anyway, oh. so Eyes of Fire is set in 1750. It's set in the pre-revolutionary era. And, you know, it starts out like, I again, I, I didn't even read anything about it. You know, I was like, all right, this sounds like a thing that has a witch in it. It's a folk horror movie. Like, I'm in. And you were amenable to it as well. So I was like, okay, let's watch this thing. And... I thought it was going to be a little bit more about like the witch trial idea. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's definitely some similarities between this and something like the Lords of Salem. I mean, it does kind of draw on that history of of women being persecuted as witches in pre-colonial America. 
And so uh, it takes place in a town called Dalton's Ferry. And I mean, I don't know how much we need to get into this, but. Well, just, I mean, it's told in flashback mode. Yes. So two of the characters from this film are intercepted by some French soldiers and they relate the story of how they ended up in this particular wilderness area that, that is kind of the central location for the movie. But when that flashback begins, we're in this town, as I said, called Dalton's Ferry and uh, a woman whose husband is a trapper. He's left. He's kind of always off, you know, adventuring on his own. Her name is Eloise, played by Rebecca Stanley, and so she has taken up with this very slimy local preacher that's arrived in town. His name is Will Smythe. He's kind of, you can tell he's a huckster, you can tell he's dishonest, but she finds him very attractive, I guess, so. They're insanely annoying character. An insanely annoying character. Pretty good performance, actually. Yeah. Dennis Lipscomb is the actor, and yeah, we hate him from the second we see him, but anyway, she's uh, a woman of this town. She has a teenage daughter named Fanny who doesn't approve of this whole thing. And she has done like the worst thing you could possibly do in a Puritan village, which is she has moved in with Will Smythe, the preacher, while her husband is away. So she is committing adultery. He's a preacher, so he ought to know that adultery is a sin, but apparently it's okay for some reason. He just thinks it's an acceptable thing to do. So she is living in sin with him and her daughter lives with him and the town gets ready to execute them both right at the beginning of the film. And there's another young woman named Leah who is somehow mentally ill. There's something wrong with her. She's insane or we don't know exactly what her deal is in the beginning but of course a woman with mental illness at that time they automatically assume she was possessed by some kind of demon or some kind of supernatural thing and that's definitely true of these townspeople and this girl Leah but she ends up saving Will Smythe when they go to hang him she (laughs) does something and the rope like incinerates and he falls to the ground and they take that opportunity to escape. So Will kind of very quickly assembles this band of supporters and followers, a couple of other families. They end up, they steal the ferry. So the town is called Dalton's Ferry. They actually have a ferry boat to get across the river and (laughs) they steal the ferry and take off. You know, it's about like at the beginning of the film, like 10 people, 12 people in that party that escapes Dalton's Ferry and start just traveling down the river. They're looking for the promised land, of course. And... What ends up happening is Eloise's husband, whose name is Marion, he's kind of the hero of the film, this rugged trapper guy. He ends up catching up with them and tries to get his family back, Uh, you know, his daughter and his wife, who's taken up with this other guy. So there's kind of some awkward situations between the two of them. And they end up being pursued by the Shawnee tribe, which they, they sort of cross into Shawnee land. They're pursued by the tribe and they end up in this valley that the Shawnee don't go in because they have some kind of superstition about it that the devil lives there, supposedly, and weird stuff happens to them in the woods, and Will is sort of possessed by something that makes him think, we need to build a settlement here. There's people, there's, like, it looks like another Native American tribe, although they're not like any any that any of the characters in this movie have ever seen before. We don't really get to see them up close, but he thinks they're friendly, and he thinks they should, like, make nice to them. So he starts building a settlement there, and, you know, there's, like, all these sort of ominous uh, hallucinations and things like that. 
that. And particularly a lot of it is centered on this girl, Leah, who is, you know, she's kind of like in her own world, uh, whatever condition she has or whatever it is that's afflicting her. Uh, she kind of sees things and she starts to see like the darkness of this place and things just kind of spiral into dark and violent places from there. And I don't know if I want to spoil too much more about that, but I think this film has a, a really interesting and very sort of perfect folk horror explanation for what's going on out there. It's the idea of when blood is spilled, it all kind of collects underground in one place and that becomes like the home of the devil. So this is kind of a, a devil movie and a witch movie in some sense, but there is a, a malevolent spirit in the forest that starts to affect this party of people and slowly starts killing them off one by one and possessing them and, and doing all kinds of things that prevent them from leaving, right? So they're they're kind of pinned down. They don't want to cross the Shawnee again, but also there's an immediate threat in this valley that they've arrived in that is haunted or possessed or something like that. And the movie kind of proceeds in, in very, the pacing of this is great. It's only 86 minutes long and there's a lot of story here. And there's kind of a surprise around every corner. Like I'm, I'm talking mm -hmm. a little bit vaguely about it because I think it's worth seeing this and just watching it unfold because there are I, I really didn't know much and I'm really glad I didn't know much going into this. You mentioned Lords of Salem before, and it's funny because like Rob Zombie's gotta love this movie, right? Like Well, there's definitely some imagery that he <laughs> borrowed from this movie, sure. You you know that he he's the guy that like, you know, oh, you've never heard of Eyes of you know, he knows this movie. Yeah. Um but um yeah, and I will say I, I was really nervous about this one at the beginning. Like, we do have to make a confession here just to not kind of misdirect anybody. Some of the acting in this is really bad. Uh, I almost cringeworthy, I felt, like, at the beginning. And I was like, oh, no. I was like, this is not going to be a good movie. And then to my surprise, uh, this movie picks up and, and started to get really interesting. And a big part of it is just, like, you know, the 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 forest that they're in itself is like a character in this movie. And just the the whole like the little um I I mean I guess you'd call it the, the little town that, that that they create here. And it's just like a lot of weird and trippy imagery and stuff like that. I mean, the movie is beautiful to look at. I I mean you could almost it's it's a straight up artsy picture, but uh yeah, totally folk and 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 a sober reminder of just uh, how difficult life was back then. I mean, whenever I watch movies like you know The Revenant or The Northman or movies that took place hundreds of years ago, I I always just think about how much it must have sucked to live back then. <laughs> you know, just like you know, but no, this one took me by surprise as well. Well, it's incredibly stylish. It's a beautifully, beautifully shot movie. And again, yeah. uh, Avery Crounce is a photographer, although he was not the cinematographer on this movie. I looked up the guy. His name is Wade Hanks and has not really made anything else of note, but this movie is gorgeously shot. And I, I mean, there is, like I said, there's one incredible shot that's a long take that is just really, really effectively done. I've never seen anything quite like it. But throughout the movie, just the nature photography and stuff, yeah, like the forest is a very, very threatening, creepy place in this. It's also kind of beautiful in a, a dark sort of way. I mean, the the cinematography, this is outstanding. The look of this is outstanding. I think the editing is really good. The music uh, by Brad Fidel, who went on to do uh, a lot of famous movie scores, he wrote the Terminator theme, uh, most notably. I love the, uh, the oh, original wow. theme for the Terminator. There's not really a lot of music in this. It's more kind of ambient drone type music. 
music, but very effective for what this movie is and particularly used well in that long take that I was talking about. But yeah, there's a lot of really surreal kind of trippy imagery in this and some genuinely striking, scary images. Um, the Eyes of Fire that this movie is named after, that wasn't the original title. It was it was originally called something like... Uh, it was going to be called Cry Blue Sky. Cry Blue Sky, yeah. I thought I was going to call it Blue Skies Crying, but that makes <laughs> less sense there. But yeah, um, the Eyes of Fire that are referenced in the title of this movie, that ends up being some pretty creepy imagery here as well. And... Trees, I, like I don't want to say too much about it, but there is the, the the main sort of villain, I guess you could call it, in this movie has a great look about it. It looks awesome. They do some awesome stuff with that, and then there's also just this this thing they do with trees in this movie that I don't know that I'd seen done quite this well. I've seen things like it before, but this movie kind of takes it to the the next level. And I mean, just the design of this and the ideas behind this, I found just very interesting and very creepy in a lot of ways. And yeah, some of the acting is not terrific, but also you know, it's a B movie. It's it's an art movie. Like I think it, it kind of really nicely straddles the line between something out there like an artsy independent movie and just a straight up 80s B horror thing and I like both of those types of movies so this really hit kind of a sweet spot for me yeah it definitely I think the movie definitely benefits from its special effects a lot of which took me by surprise. I They're think, not all great. I mean, there there are yeah. some that are pretty cheesy looking, particularly by today's standards, but oh. there's some great practical effects in this movie. Even some of the sound effects were kind of <laughs> cheese as well. But I, uh, <laughs> I, I think I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, but uh, Guy Boyd... Uh, as Marion Dalton is not too bad. I, I actually, I really liked his character in this in this movie. I did and too. The, He's a real badass, yep. like mountain man, like a Jeremiah Johnson kind of figure. He's got a cool costume. He's got the beard. He's got like the craggy kind of grizzled face. Like, yeah, that's a, it's a good horror hero. You don't usually see that kind of guy in a horror movie. Yeah, um, definitely creepy. I mean, again, I think it started off kind of slow and then picked up some momentum there there's definitely some supernatural shit going on and i don't know like it's i i don't want to say it's it's a masterpiece but for a, some of what i read about it was that when the movie came out it was um and i could see why it was just sort of overlooked and misunderstood and like so many of these movies that we talk about over time has has become a cult film i guess we could call it um so it's not for everyone and it's not, you know, a, a perfect film, but it is definitely weird. And I think if you're into if you're open to watching like just some strange shit, I know that like the the Robert Edgar's movie, The Witch, has been cited as being uh, this being a big influence on that. I wonder how much it actually was, but this is definitely a much more straightforward witch tale than than the other film that we're going to talk about. And yeah, you gotta love the, you gotta love the tight running time on it. I mean, I will tell you, when as, as soon as this film was done, I was like, my I guess my initial sort of feeling was, you know what, that was not bad. <laughs> so uh, it's always nice to to uh, be surprised by that. Um, the whole aspect of you know the Native Americans and when they first get to that area and they're like, dude, they don't even come out this far. You know, like there's some really, really weird shit going on here. And the character, I'm trying to remember now which one. Who is it? Leah? Is she the, is she the crazy one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she is, 
you know, she's having these visions and everything, and she's really connected to like, you know, the the soil and the dirt, and there's there's a lot of cool like kind of classical witchcrafty elements of it that I liked. So <laughs> she eats dirt at one point. She does eat dirt at one point. There's a scene where she eats dirt and then goes and hangs out underneath a big barrel with some kids or something. <laughs> like, <I don't> <laughs> yeah. Like there's just, there's things in this movie that I've never seen before in a movie and I've seen a lot of movies, you know? So anytime you can surprise me with a visual like that, I mean, I, I think I might've had a better experience with this than you and we'll get to, around to rating it in just a second, but I was kind of sold on this right from the beginning. I mean, I didn't know how good it was going to be. And I agree. Like that scene where Leah saves will from being hanged. It's awfully cheesy looking. And I was like, Oh man, is that what we're in for here? Yeah. Is this going to be another trick or treats only came out a year after that thing right but I kind of like like once they get on the ferry and they're going down the river like I got some kind of heart of darkness apocalypse now kind of vibes from that there's a pretty (laughs) cool scene that takes place on the ferry boat and then of course they end up stranded in the woods there like I love those kind of movies you know I Mm -hmm. love river movies I love apocalypse now right so I was like okay this is my kind of story I mean I don't know if it's going to be a great version of it but once they actually arrive at this cursed place and they get stuck there and Will gets this crazy idea to set up a settlement there. I was like, all right, I, I really like where this is going. And then they do this one shot, this long take that I continue to talk about. And I will continue to talk about because it, I, I watched it three times. I'll be honest. Like I don't Ooh. usually do that, but when I see something in a movie that just really catches my eye and really grabs my attention, I have to see it again and again and again. Cause I want to see exactly how they did it, exactly how it started. And it's just so perfectly done and so creepy. And by the time it's probably two or three minutes long. And by the time you get to the end of this shot, it's like, holy shit, look at that. I mean, the, the visual that it kind of arrives at is just mind-blowing. Like, I want to blow it up. I want to make a poster out of it or something. Like, it's it's that good. The Chris, tree... we'll have to talk about this after the show because I don't yeah. want to spoil it at all. But, man, that really, really impressed me. And from that point on, I was like, all right, I think I might love this movie. The tree stuff is the coolest. Yep. And I, I want to save that for... You know, for people that actually want to watch this, the tree stuff is really cool. Um, I can't emphasize enough, though, how there's a creepy kid in this movie, a, a little girl that a just kid. kind of arrives at their settlement at one point, And they're like, oh, she must be friendly. Let's take her in. And we see some pretty creepy visions of her. Like, there's some scary stuff in this movie. Like, yeah. some genuinely creepy stuff. And that's and, you know, like uh, <laughs> that's when. um super annoying Will Smythe is like, we're going to baptize her and, you know, all this and that. Like, he, I cannot articulate enough how annoying his character is. He's just, I just wanted to kill him the whole movie. But, uh... Well, he's he's such a sleazebag, too. Like, making out with this married <laughs> woman, like, right in front of everyone. And, and Eloise was the one I was talking about. Like, this dress that she has on, it's like the most cleavage-bearing thing. Like, <laughs> what I know about that time period, I don't think you could get away with that back then. Like, it looks like the cover of a romance novel or something. And, I don't know, it kind of took yeah. me out of the movie because I just thought it was funny. <laughs> um, let me ask you this. What did you think of the ending? I thought the ending was the weakest part of the movie, to be honest. I mean, it just it didn't really hit the way I wanted it to. And I really liked it so much up to that point. I mean, it's not a terrible ending, but I think it was, you know, a little obvious and and not very definitive. And not that it was ambiguous, but it was just kind of it just kind of petered out. Um, There's a great climactic sequence involving Marion. And then it kind of just has nowhere to go from there. And, you know, that happens a lot in horror. Like that's that's the thing they always say about Stephen King, right? Like he doesn't 
know how to end a good horror story. I don't know that that's true, by the way, but that's always a criticism that I hear of Stephen King's novels. And this felt very much like a short story, like a like a literary kind of horror. And I felt like like a lot of that stuff, it just doesn't have that punch at the ending that I wanted it to. But yeah, yeah I mean, uh, leading up to that, I thought everything was so solid and I can't hold that too much against it. But I'll tell you, this is not going to be a five star rating for me, but I liked it a lot, a lot more than I thought I was going to. Well, that being said, then why don't you go ahead and let's hear your let's hear your rating and uh, R I Y L on this if you're yeah, ready. I mean, my R I Y L is is not the greatest. We've already mentioned it actually, but I couldn't think of anything else. So I'm going to give this a four out of five. I'm going to give this an Atkins Campbell again. I think the visuals are phenomenal. I really think if you love folk horror, if you're a Wicker Man fan, if you're just into those kinds of movies, if you like period pieces, I love period horror as well. Like this is listed on IMDb as a horror western. It's not really a western it doesn't take place in the west it takes place in the forest i believe it was shot in missouri so i wouldn't necessarily call it a western but it is a period piece and i do i really enjoy that you know bone tomahawk is a fantastic example oh i love that terrific movie. period horror movie yeah i know you really like that one too and it's not a thing that you see all the time because those can be kind of expensive to make this one i think they saved a lot of cost by mostly shooting this in the woods like we do get a little bit of, of a town set in the beginning but again pretty low budget movie but it doesn't look bad particularly when they get out into the woods um reminded me i mean it's not as good as these films but there's a a great film by Werner herzog called agira the wrath of god starring klaus kinski Mm. and it's a it's another river movie and there were shots in this that kind of reminded me of that and that's a a really that's one of the all-time great uh films and, you know, anything that reminds me of that, I was like, all right, well, someone has at least learned from the right sources here. I, I really, I think Avery Crowns is a very, very good filmmaker. I looked up his other two movies. Neither one of them sounded very interesting. One of them was kind of a straightforward drama. The other one was like a, an 80s sex comedy, like something about uh, someone who develops like x-ray vision or something so we can like look at girls in the locker room <laughs> you know one of those <laughs> movies Jesus. so he did not go on to amazing things after this but like i think he shows a lot of talent and just a lot of real skill for just creepy imagery and creepy scenes in this movie and like i said there is a surprise around every corner like i had no idea where it was going i just kind of knew it was going to get darker and more violent and creepier as it went on and it actually does so i give it that i mean up until the ending which as i said is kind of weak this movie does kind of pay itself off really really well and it never gets boring like it's it's very well paced and I just I really liked a lot of things about it I'm very happy that I saw it and I will absolutely watch this one again uh, my RIYL for this is Robert Eggers the witch I'm sorry if that was probably <laughs> yours too Chris but it was one you know of- Again, a period piece about a witch. This one kind of has two witches if you think about it, but I don't know. Well, because we our other movie tonight has zero witches, zero actual witches in it, then uh, this gives us two for the price of one. So it all kind of evens out in the end, I guess. But yeah, I mean, like... It doesn't have that, like, nice kind of slow-building dread. Uh, well, it kind of does, but doesn't have it to the extent that the Eggers movie does. But there is, there's some similarities, the costuming, the the period setting and stuff like that. So if you like that movie, I think this one's definitely worth checking out. And, you know, also R.I.Y.L., just folk horror in general, you know. So like I said, if you're a, a Wicker Man fan or if you like any of those kind of woodsy, folksy horror movies, I think you'll like this one as well. And again, there there is at least one shot in here that I think is an all-time classic and everyone should see. If not the rest of the movie, just check out this one shot. 
which I'm not going to tell you what it is. So I guess you just have to watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I was, I've been back and forth on this ever since I, I watched it. And uh, I think I'm going to be simpatico with you on this one. I'm, I too, am going to give this the Atkin Campbell's, uh, the Atkins Campbell award nice. uh, because of its uniqueness, its ambitiousness, and because of how much it took me by surprise. Like I really wasn't sinking with it at first. And you're right, man. Once they get on that ship and there's like some action starts happening and the weirder, the, the as soon as strangeness starts occurring, you know, this, this sort of just fantastical shit going on. It's like, that's the, the, the more I wanted it to just, I was like, if this keeps getting weirder then I'll be on board and it did it does yeah. yeah I agree with you too I thought the music was really excellent in this like I found myself like just being like wow that what a great choice for you know just the sound design and everything and I think if you're I mean I would R-I-Y-L I, obviously the witch came to mind which by the way and I'm, I may have told you this before I really struggled with that movie uh the first time I saw it I just couldn't I don't even think I saw the whole thing and I tried it again and then like fell asleep or something. And I was always like, man, I, I just can't get into this. And then I, I, me always giving things another chance. I think what happened was I saw The Lighthouse and really liked it. So I was like, all right, I'm going back and watching The Witch. <laughs> and then like I fucking loved it after that. I was like, yeah. so uh, big witch fans. That was the first one that came to mind. But you're dead on with the folk horror stuff, right? Like if you're into The Wicker Man this this would be a great double bill with the Wicker Man, I think. Yeah. Um, I would even say, I'd go as far as to say Ari Aster's Midsommar. Uh, if, if you, sure. you yeah, like yeah, movies definitely. like that, like this fits right into that wheelhouse uh, perfectly. And I just sort of love the fact that it's like this super underground movie that caught me by surprise. And my girlfriend, Alex, she came home from work when I was like halfway through and wasn't really watching it. Like she was just kind of like hanging with me on the couch, like, you know, doing whatever. And I kept telling her, I was like, you know, you should watch this on your own sometime. Like, this is like actually really good. Like, don't be, don't be fooled by like, you know, the sort, <laughs> the sort of cheesiness that you see here and there. And, um, I would actually watch this again just because some of the hallucinatory like visions that, that we see in this, like, I, I would just, I'd like to analyze again. Like you mentioned watching that that scene numerous times. Uh, I think I've kind of forgotten like some of the details of some of those scenes, but remember really liking them. So yeah, man, this gets an Atkins Campbell all day. And if you're into those kind of movies, I could totally see myself going up to someone and being like, I highly recommend you check it out and feeling cool about it. Right. Like being like, yeah, you haven't heard of this cut, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, this does. It feels like an album, like a punk band from the yeah, 80s yeah, that nobody yeah, ever heard of, like yes. from D.C. or something. Like, oh, man, like if you like Fugazi, you got to check out these guys. And, you know, I, I always like Brian calls me a hipster. I don't know that I necessarily am one, but I guess I have some hipster tendencies. And I do kind of like, you know, obscure things that I can be like, no, you don't understand. This is really, really good. And I will be recommending this movie to a lot of people. Again, not my favorite thing that we've talked about on the show um not as good a movie as return of the living dead 3 but i think it definitely has some things about it that make it pretty pretty special and pretty it, awesome it's, to, it's, to see it show up on shutter yeah and it's like it's captivating enough this is a I, I like this review uh that says a arty horror pick uh though it's a flawed film it's strange storyline captivated me uh despite its flaws and performances um you know it's it's just creepy and, and, and it's, and it's it a is, very good-looking picture. 
Yeah. It is absolutely the visuals are great, and and although it does have like artsy and surreal elements to it, it's not boring, right? Like you say those words, and people think, oh, this is going to be yeah. just a slog, just a, a snooze fest, and it's not that. I think the pacing's actually very good. So as as I was saying before, I mean, I think the best description of this is it's a little bit of '80s B movie cheese and a little bit of artsy surrealism in a, a folk horror movie, and again, that's that's a pretty winning combination for me. But it's not a boring movie at all. I mean, it, the the beginning is a little bit slow, but I think once it gets going, you know, it's not one of those things where you're just like waiting and waiting and waiting for something scary to happen. You know, I, I know you felt that way about Skinnamarink. It's not like that at all. So don't let the uh, the artsy tag scare you away from this film because there. I, I mean, it's it's pretty graphic and brutal. I mean, it's not it doesn't quite go into slasher territory, but there's a lot of carnage in this movie as it goes on and just some really creepy. I, I'll, I'll spoil one thing. Um, there's a, a moment where there's this older lady character. Her husband is killed. She's part of Will Smith's band, his followers, I guess. And her husband is killed really early in the film. And that kind of drives her crazy early on. And there's this moment like toward the middle of the film where she's hoeing a field and she like smashes the hoe down into the dirt oh, and like all this yes. blood starts coming up out of it. And I was like, oh, shit, that's creepy. Yeah, and fucking Smite's like, you didn't see anything, you're scaring the children. <laughs> yeah. God, I hate Will Smite. <laughs> but again, I mean, it's, it's a memorable character and a memorable, perform- memorable performance. I really do like Leah a lot, too, and I, I really like Marion. He's an awesome hero in this movie, so a lot of memorable stuff about it, and I, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, and we, and we left out, and I'm glad we left out the, the creature, the details of the creature, because that's one of the coolest parts, too. It is the first time you actually see it. There's a great shot. Uh, I mean, again, a little bit like a Kubrick shot, a center framing kind of thing that just really caught me off guard. I really, really liked it. But again, I don't want to spoil things too much because I think this movie is worth seeing if you like that kind of stuff. So we will leave it at that. And uh, time to move on to a very, very different movie, like vastly different in so many different ways. We will be right back to talk about The Witch Part 1, The Subversion. back to talk about The Witch Part 1, The Subversion. That's a title that has a colon and a dash in it. So if you're a fan of punctuation, this movie delivers. <laughs> yes, and uh, Shudder released this and uh, apparently the sequel that they made for it simultaneously. So um, I had no awareness of this movie at all. And this was my pick just because, you know, I did want to start gearing some of our content towards like, you know, what's the latest thing that's on Shutter, and then try to pair it with something else. And this one yeah. had just popped up. So it, it it seemed like 
something that wouldn't be too difficult to pair. Nick, I'm sorry we didn't have any of the sleazy uh, early 70s Italian films there to pick from, but it ended up I think up they were French or well. Spanish, actually, although there's, there was probably some Italian ones, too. But again, I, I don't French, really know because yes. I've never seen them. I never really <laughs> seen any of them. But this movie, like I remember seeing the poster. I saw the key art for this one on Shudder, and it's the main character's face kind of covered in blood, and it's called The Witch. And I was like, oh, so this is like a supernatural thing. This is a witch movie. And it turns out to not really be that at all. I mean, it's I guess I would classify this as a sci-fi action film, maybe even a superhero movie movie in some sense but it is kind of a very dark and bloody and brutal take on those kinds of things so again as I was saying earlier in the show I do think this is a film that has appeal for horror fans apparently the powers that be at Shudder did as well but you know it's it's not a horror film by the standards of like what we would normally think a horror film is but I think there are there are elements of it that will appeal to uh, the horror crowd well uh, this is I just have to interject for a second I mean the, the South Korean cinema has such elevated violence that it's like even their just straight more like action thriller movies have like, you know, Kill Bill level violence in them. And it's like that's where I think this kind of just just the level of violence in this movie, I, I think it's it's easy to have it fit, you know, in the in the Shutter catalog. Yeah, I agree. And there's a lot of brutality in this. Uh, written and directed by Park Hoon Jung, who I have not seen any of the other movies he's directed, but you and I are very big fans of his debut film as a screenwriter, and that is I Saw the Devil. Yep, and we're going to talk about that later, so. <laughs> okay, because I really, really like that movie a lot, and I didn't know that. I, I watched this and then kind of looked him up, and I'm like, oh, well, so he has done something that I've seen before. He didn't direct it, but he wrote it, and I absolutely love that movie, and I think the script for that is phenomenal. So, yeah, I mean, I, you're always talking about how much you love South Korean films, and I really do, too. I mean, there's just so much great content coming out of that part of the world, and they are. I mean, they are movies that are, they're made for adults, you know, like they are long they're involved they have like very strongly developed stories they have violence and sexual content that is yeah would, would push the limits of the american r rating and, and almost every movie like you said like no matter what it is they all kind of push the limits and push the envelope and that kind of stuff and so this i think if this were an american film it would almost play like a standard superhero movie this reminded me i mean this is not the most original story in the world definitely there were were things that it reminded me of and things that i think it drew pretty heavily on but i don't know let's let's just get the plot out of the way first and then we can break this open a little bit further. I mean, I, I think the plot's the least interesting thing about it because it's it's kind of generic in some ways. Sure. Um, well, I guess uh, it, it, let's do this together because it's kind of... <laughs> there's there's a lot going on, though. Um, and I think that the, the best way to start would be... I mean, the movie starts with... Um, we're in this, like, like, fucking, like, science lab where it looks like this horrible murder has happened and a uh, government facility by the way it looks so much like Ganjiem haunted asylum like i think they might have <laughs> used the same building <laughs> i was like wait a minute where have i seen that place and i have no idea they might look nothing alike but when i was watching this movie i was like is that Ganjiem haunted asylum which was that what even what it was called that was what the movie was called but i don't know yeah that is definitely what it was called um but the so Basically, there's this little girl who escapes, and 
we come to find out that... Escapes a bloodbath at this place. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, we don't see... So the, the opening scene of this, it's very quick cuts. I thought the whole movie was going to be like this. It's not, but it's very, very quick cuts and shaky camera, and we just see, like, dead bodies everywhere in this facility and characters, like, investigating that, and we get the sense that this was all perpetrated by this little girl who escapes and gets away into the woods, and they're all kind of pursuing her at the very beginning of the film. Right. And we know that they don't get it. They get into the details later. Um, but there's there's some experimentation going on here. Um, with yeah, this. the opening credits to this movie, which I don't like when movies do this. They use some actual photos of like Nazi experiments like there's there's some yeah. pretty unsavory stuff that's using the opening credits to this movie to kind of contextualize what they're actually doing. And one, I think it gives things away that maybe you could reveal later on. And two, I, I don't know that imagery, particularly the real stuff. I, I was not yeah. a fan of that. Right. But this girl's success. She does. Uh, this young girl does successfully escape. And she is found by this farmer, like just passed out, and and this this family essentially uh, this cattle farm, kind of in the middle of nowhere. She makes her way there, and and very very nice. It's a kind of older middle aged guy and his wife, and they take her in right away, and you know save her life. She's basically comatose. Uh, she arrives there and kind of just like passes out. Yep. And the movie flashes forward, and basically she's. You know, she's with this family. Um, yeah, pretty big time jump, right? Like, it, it almost would have been cool if she stayed the same age throughout this movie, like eight years old, I think she is at the beginning. Is like, if that little eight-year-old kid was doing the things that her 18-year-old self is doing later on in the movie, is like, that's something I want to see. That'd be really <laughs> cool. Because she ends up being a, a pretty awesome character in terms of her action scenes and stuff. Yeah, and we're talking about the main character's name is Kuja Yoon. Mm-hmm. So this... You know, the mother of the family that she's with um, is starting to develop dementia. And this, this so Kim Jai, Kim Jai Yoon goes and does this basically a, a talent show where she's, it's it's kind of like America's Got Talent or something like that. Oh, I was going to call and, it Korean Idol because that's what I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And um, she essentially does some some crazy shit. Like she makes like the, well, uh, the... don't don't say it, Chris. Because oh, what this okay. movie does, one of my favorite things about this movie is that so she uh, yeah like we have to talk about the pacing of this film. There's a lot of people online complaining about the pacing, and I was like, oh whatever, I'm sure I'm not gonna have a problem with that. But this movie's very very slow. Like it really really takes a long time to get going, and for a lot of it, it's like kind of just a, a straight like drama about this young girl who's trying to raise money for her ailing mother by going on an yeah. American Idol type show. She has a very very annoying friend. <laughs> They're like you know these kind of bubbly high school girls, and uh, yeah. her friend is. Uh, Myung Hee and oh man she is she's very difficult to take through a lot of this movie I didn't like her at all I mean not a bad character she ends up being a a nice person but boy could I not stand her Um, but there's like so much of this stuff where it's just like about her going on the show but the interesting thing that the nice little thing that it sets up is she has this incredible singing voice and also she does something on the show that like everyone's just blown away by but we don't actually see what she does on the show and until later on so everyone's like whoa how did she do that but like you don't actually get to know what that is and i thought that was a cool little like misdirect or like a a cool reveal later on because you know it just plants this question in your head that you know the movie is going to answer at some point and it it kind of makes you wait for it and i liked that about it 
Yeah. And I mean, it's, I, I, will, I will confess to you, Nick. So you mentioned like, so I saw this in uh, two sittings and I, I, I paired it perfectly so that I would get to like the halfway point and then watch the second <laughs> half the next day. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I, I felt like I wasn't even watching the same movie. Like, I did the I was same like, thing. Yeah. It, it, it just really takes a dramatic shift in, in tone and everything. And it, I mean, it had to at a certain point because because you are absolutely right. Uh, this this movie does take quite a while to get going, um, but when it does, Jesus, it's it it definitely brings the action. Um, but we learned that. I mean, so basically, God, how do I tiptoe around this now? You you got me afraid to mention. I don't I don't want to like spoil anything, but there, there's a reason why you know she does this this special effect at her show, and it's to you know, basically, can I even say this? Like, nope, no, no, you can't. No, in fact, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut all of that out. So she, uh, let me see if I can do this, Chris. Uh, you're gonna spoil it. I'm not gonna let you spoil it. Damn it, because I think people might want to see this movie. Um, yeah. she goes on the show, so she she becomes kind of a national television star, and she wins. Like she gets to the next round, and that draws all these people out of the woodwork, right? Like they've kind of just let her go because it's it's explained away at the beginning why, like the lead scientist, there's a a, a scientist who's kind of running this program where they're experimenting on kids we don't know much about it from the beginning of the film but because of what the opening credits signify to us we know it's it's pretty nasty stuff um they're like trying to create super soldiers or something like that you know like in every movie um but the the main villain is dr bike and she is a scientist and she explains away at the beginning how Kujayun can just go like, oh, well, you know, she's just going to die out in the world anyway. And I, right. like she explains that. I don't know if I necessarily believed that. But 10 years later, when she goes on this show and becomes a national television star, then all these people see her again and they're like, oh, maybe we should do something about that. This test subject, this experiment that we let escape. So she ends up being pursued by a number of different groups, one of them led by Dr bike but then also there is some other some younger people who are after her as well yes. and they see her on the show and so there's these encounters right like the first half of the movie is not completely devoid of suspense or action although it's pretty close to that I'll be honest with you but there are some kind of creepy encounters with other characters who seem vaguely threatening we don't know exactly who they are and we do actually see Dr. Bike and her associates just kind of like plotting and scheming a little bit in the first half of the movie but eventually her enemies, uh, Kujayun's enemies, catch up to her, and that's where this movie kind of turns into what it ends up being, which is the, the story of a, a girl who is gifted and cursed with these superhuman abilities, which mostly involve her ability to just like very quickly kill people and smash people's heads. And she has kind amazing. of super strength and um, amazing agility. And she's an incredible shot. I mean, it's all like, uh, you know, I would describe the action scenes in this movie like John Wick sped up about four times or so. Yeah, I even thought of the Matrix at one point when I was. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, it, the it's the opposite. Sequences. It's 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 anti bullet time, right? Like it's she moves so fast, like a uh, born identity. It's like it's a little bit John Wick, a little bit born identity, but like sped up way, way, way faster. She's got like reverse bullet time abilities. Yep, and uh, there's some good performances here. I really liked uh, Choi Woo Seek, the younger dude there, who he's credited as a uh, male in 
English speaking. Oh God, I can't. Male English speaking witch. Yeah. So there's um there's a lot of characters who are American, even though they're they're Korean. They're ethnically Korean, but they speak English and they come from America somehow. And I never really understood. There is a connection between what's going on in Korea in this movie and what's happening in America or something that's happening in America. But I guess maybe the sequel will draw that out a little more because again, you, as you were saying, there is a follow up to this movie. But yeah, I thought there's a lot of villains in this movie. There's a lot of characters to keep track of and we don't really get to know any of them very well but they all have like a cool look about them like that character uh Choi Woon Six character like he's like really really stylish he's got like these great jackets and really cool hair uh Dr. Bike she has really cool hair too she's got this like blue tinge to her gray hair like they all have this very striking sort of look about them they're all very very attractive and it's kind of an interesting contrast because our, our main character in this is very average looking you know she looks like just sort of your typical high school girl and all the rest of the characters in this movie are very sort of distinctly strikingly movie villains and have like this amazing design about them and she's pretty average looking but certainly not average in what she can do yep and it's and it's very like again i can't emphasize enough how like the plot itself, it's not that the plot's complicated, but there are a lot of details here. And I, I will tell like, let me ask you this. After watching this, are, are you intrigued to watch the sequel? I'm kind of not because I feel like it told a very complete story. Like, I kind of don't know where it goes from here. That's I felt the same way. I was like, what are they going to? And um, what did you? Because I, I, I actually thought, Chris, I mean, just coming back to your point there, like because I knew there was a sequel to this and I think it was always planned as the first. And so I like it's called part one. So I was like, yeah. OK, we might not get a complete story. This might not be a, a fully realized film. And, you know, like a Kill Bill volume one kind of thing. I thought there was going to be they were going to leave something for the next installment, like very, very distinctly. I mean, Kill Bill, you know, it was originally supposed to be one movie. They cut it in half. I kind of thought this was a situation like that. But yeah, I was like, okay, we've kind of resolved everything we needed to resolve here. So where do we go from here? There is a twist at the end. So uh, there's actually, there's two twists in this movie, right? Yes. So I thought the plot was kind of generic, but there is a reveal late in the movie that it's not a huge twist, but it also changes the entire vibe of everything that we saw before it. And I was like, all right, that's cool. That's pretty clever. Yep. And I am happy to to say, you know, I think that, like, South Korean cinema is still a relatively new thing to American audiences on a commercial level. And uh, this movie, like, did some damage. At the, it was it debuted at number one uh, in South Korea on its release and uh, did pretty well in the, in the United States as well. It's why I'm so surprised I didn't hear anything about it. But I, you know, I kind of didn't hop on to the South Korean bandwagon like so many other people until movies like Parasite came out and stuff like that. And that's well, Parasite like, certainly helped that effort along a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously that's but but I mean, from there, it's like all you have to do is just watch every Bong Joon-ho movie and you and you're like, oh, my God, you know, yeah. I mean, they're just so many fucking amazing filmmakers. And I have to say out of the I mean, I was on a roll once where I watched probably it was like the first like literally the first like two dozen South Korean horror films I saw, <laughs> like all of them were just fucking jaw droppingly amazing. I couldn't believe it. And I have to say, this is not one of the better South Korean movies that I've seen, in my opinion. Yeah, I, um, I agree with that. Yeah, but still, it has that. It, it's got a. It's got some great action in it. It's got some great style to it. Um, 
you know, the whole kind of classic revenge tale, everything, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's a well-made film, but I think like you said before, like the pacing, when I say I watched the second half of that, I just watched it. It is like a completely, completely different movie than the first half, which I don't know, I guess maybe is kind of cool, but I think the movie actually suffers a little bit from that. Oh, I would very much agree with that. I mean, I think this runs like two hours and five minutes, and I'm fine with that, particularly for a South Korean movie. You know, they are generally a little bit longer. They usually run more than two hours, and I don't generally mind that, but they usually have a lot more going on in them. Like the first half of this movie was very, very tough for me to get through because I just wasn't really into the whole she's going to go on an American Idol type show and be a pop star subplot that happens in a lot of the first <laughs> half of this movie. I really didn't like Myung Hee. Um, there's, it's weird, right? Like you mentioned the the thing with her mom. Like I like her adoptive family. Like there's some very likable characters. Well, the father's in the great. I, I love him. The father, yeah. And, and Kuja Yoon is a, a, a nice character character as well like I definitely want to root for her but it doesn't explain things well like like the dad has some kind of medical issue as well and Kuja Yoon is having like this like migraines or something like that like she has some kind yes. of medical thing and it's very almost confusing right like so all three of the members of her family have like separate like brain disorders or something like it doesn't explain that stuff well but it makes us like need to focus on that because there's really not much else happening in the well, first half I, of this movie. I, I, hold on though i i want i want to defend this movie a little bit i think the main twist of the movie that happens like shortly after the halfway point i really liked that because there's like a trick going on you know and i don't know i i, I just thought it was pretty clever because yeah, damn it. i liked that too it, it, you know what i mean like it's 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 a situation where what everything seemed to be and the scenario and the stakes that were at hand get turn out to be something completely different. And I like that a lot. That's what I'm saying. It changes the vibe of the entire movie and I respect it for doing that, but I don't think it needed to take quite so long to get there. And I, I sure. really, it was such a slog to get through the first half of this movie. And yes, I think the action in this is very cool and stylized and I like it a lot. Um, again, I, I'm a big fan of stuff like the John Wick movies. Oh yeah. Stuff that, that kind of has that style, but this was, it's a lower budget movie. I think it was like $5 million or something like that, uh, the, or the equivalent of 5 million American. And it doesn't really... I mean, it is kind of a superhero movie, but it doesn't have the epic scope of like an American superhero movie. So usually when when filmmakers do a lower budget superhero movie, it's just more interesting than this because they know they can't have like an Avengers showdown at the end, like a $200 million CGI, you know, smackdown at the end of the movie. And I don't know, like, I don't think this movie justified how boring that first half is with what happened in the second half. Like, yes, it was much, much more entertaining. And yes, by the end of this, I was like, all right, maybe I would watch another one of these. But I don't know. I mean, there are like someone mentioned, I, this might have been a shutter review. Someone said there's not much action, but what action is there is really good. And yeah, I think I'd probably agree with that. It's really cool. I really like the the all the fighting and stuff. There, there's there are some, some moments. Yeah, there's some really mean looking guns in here, and like yeah. you know, just I I don't know. Like and the, the villains are great. I mean, they're all very sadistic and very yeah. like I said, have this very stylish look about them. I mean, you know, it's almost 
it felt like video games like if you play like stylish like japanese video games they have these like really fantastic kind of out there characters in them and i felt like a little bit of that in this i i agree um i really do wish we could do a spoiler free review of this though because so much of this movie is uh, it's just like the parts that i really want to talk about to kind of give it pro- more props i can't you know b- without being like you're really giving away too much, and especially because you do have to get through that first half of it to get there, like to ruin that for our audience, I wouldn't want to do. I feel like we've spoiled it enough. Just letting them know what the first half and the second half and how different they are, I feel like we've already planted a seed about this movie in people's minds. And I don't want to do that, but like, I think it's worth saying. I, like, I really do think the pacing of this movie is not good at all. And I think, you know, I, I was saying before, I don't know if I ever finished my thought, this runs about two hours and five minutes. I think this would be much, much better as a 90-minute movie. And I'm not saying that because I think all movies should be short, but this one, I think you could tell this story in a much, much more compact runtime. Yeah, I will say this um, that I, I found interesting as well, because I always like to look up, you know, critical reviews and stuff like that. This movie got really positive reviews across the board from something like 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, I think critics. And then here's the thing that's even more surprising. The audience score is at 87% and that's out of over 250 reviews. So people really like this movie. I mean, I guess they were going to do a sequel anyway, (laughs) obviously, (laughs) but um, I mean, people dig this and, and I, and as you know, as I've told you, like I do have sort of a soft spot for, for South Korean movies just because, like you said, man, there's just something about them. Like once you get into it, like when this movie goes there, it 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 delivered for me in the end. Um, I I could see that, you know, I was like, oh, I I could totally see people having fun with this in in the second half of the movie. So I would say, I like the twist, I like the action, and I think that. Really hard-hitting actions. Like, a lot of heads getting smashed into walls here, like, with super strength, so they really make a dent. I I really liked that aspect. Well, there's one, yeah, like, and when it first kicks off, like, when they're at her house, and that's, like, all I can really say, and, you know, it it just, she does this really incredible, uh, this incredible sequence happens, and you're right, it all happens in, like, you know, 15 seconds. And I was just kind of sitting there like, holy shit, you know, like, give me more of this. Yeah, that was another thing that I watched multiple times before I moved on with the movie. So much like that shot in Eyes of Fire, I was like, I got to see that again. Although with this one, it was more, did I miss something there? And it, it wasn't. It just happened very, very, very quickly. But I did watch that scene a couple of times. Yeah. Well, shall we go ahead and rate this sucker? I know where you're going with this. Well, I'm going to say you go first. I'm going to Atkins Campbell this movie. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I really, I really like this movie. I, I hear everything you're saying, but I enjoyed the second half of it so much that I think I'm actually, I am, I am going to watch the sequel and not just because of part of the completest in me. Like I, 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 I <laughs> you were watching I, the sequel either way though. I know you. <laughs> yeah, but I, I really liked the characters in this movie. I thought, I thought the acting was, was really awesome and it it paid off for me. It it really did. You know, as far as just a in in the the revenge aspect of it. I it's funny that you mentioned before we were talking about. Um, I saw the devil, and I didn't even know Nick because that's one thing where I have to be careful. Some of the the names of the South Korean actors and filmmakers are very very similar. The director of this movie, oh no, what is the director? It's Park. 
I was, I was, I was going to get it mixed up with uh, Park Chan-wook. Nope, this is Park uh, Hoon-jung. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Um, I thought of the movie I Saw the Devil um, because I, I will say right now that I don't even care. I'm just going to say it. Like, I Saw the Devil is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I Is that your R.I.Y.L. for this? It is. It okay. absolutely I, is. I love that movie. Yeah. I, I, and the fact that the director of that movie was the writer for this one. I could see. No, some... no, no. The, the writer oh, the of that one around. was the writer director of this one. I know. Very confusing. So, okay. Okay. And I... neither one of them was Park Chan-wook, who I also love. Oh, he is magnificent. I mean, yeah. he's one of the best filmmakers. He's one of my favorites. Yep. Ever. Uh, period. The end. But I saw the devil the first time I saw that movie and I had always wanted to see that movie. Like there, I I'd always see that fucking thumbnail, that cool ass cover. Yeah. And you know what, it, you know what it was? It's, I'm such a hypocrite for saying this, but it was the running time that kept me away from it. I was like, Oh, this is a two and a half hour movie. Like I'm never going to get around to watch it. Whatever. Uh, Ji Woon Kim. That's the name mm. of the director. Yeah. Of I saw the devil magnificent director. He did that great movie, uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. What else did he do? He did, Oh, man, I bought that movie back. on DVD the longest time ago, like when you'd still buy DVDs, like standard def DVDs, and I still haven't watched it. I need to see that movie. It is an absolute knee-slapping blast. You need to, oh, my God, stop everything you're doing. Forget the Outlookers and just watch. <laughs> he did some really funny movies early on, like The Quiet Family. Uh, the Foul King is great. Um, a tale of two sisters, of course, might might be his his uh, masterpiece. Again, we're talking about uh, Kim Ji Woon. Kim Ji Woon, yeah. But when I saw I saw the devil the first time, like I've seen that movie like five times now. Like I just fucking love that movie so much, and I think that if you appreciate that movie as as much as I do, then I w- I would recommend this movie absolutely. Um, it's not as good, but it's the only thing I could really think of because this movie does kind of exist in its own. Like I've seen Korean action movies and I've seen Korean horror movies. This is much more of an action sci-fi movie than a horror movie. Yeah. I, I saw the devil is a much more realistic kind of grounded film in, yeah, in a lot it's of ways. Even darker than this. This is a pretty dark movie. It's a pretty brutal movie, but it's nowhere near as bad as that one. <laughs> no, it, it is not. But I came away really liking this and, and I just think, man, it, this just South Korean cinema I find so entertaining and and it's just not there's nothing lazy about it. I th- I like how you said before you're like they're, they're movies for adults right like they always have like you know deep stories like they'll the, they have a, emotional beats to them and then once the action got going in this I was like fuck yeah dude I was way into it so um, there you have it. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I did not like it as much as you did. I I will say, though, I was kind of wavering on this one. I almost gave this one a two. Uh, this was almost a scarcely scary for me, but I was like, you know, Ooh. that twist was pretty cool. And there were some moments in this that kind of really grabbed me. So I'm going to go ahead and give this a three, a stand by me, three out of five. I sure. think it's it has some things about it that are really cool and interesting to see. And if you can survive the boredom of the first half of it, there are some things that are worth seeing in the second half. 
And I mean, I'm not saying just skip. I would never do that, right? Like, give the filmmakers their due and, and watch the entire movie. Yes, it's slow. Yes, it's kind of boring. There are some cool scenes in the first half. It's not just a total slog, but a lot of it is a total slog. Um, and then it does pay some things off in an interesting way in the second half, just never as much as I really wanted it to. Like, if this had just kind of exploded into the extravaganza that it could have been, then I'd be like, all right, then then it was worth it. I don't know if it was necessarily as worth it as it could have been. I do think you could cut a lot out of this movie, but sure. I liked a lot of things about it. I did, again, as I said, the twist I thought was very, very interesting and just added some mood and some intrigue to this that wasn't necessarily there before. I liked the acting. I mean, again, another reason why these are movies for adults. Like, as you were saying, there's this great character development. Like, the villains, I, I would love to know more about them, but I thought the central relationship between Kujayun and her adoptive family, who, you know, are both kind of dealing with other things as well, I found that very moving, and I do think you do see that emotional content in all of these movies. You know, they're not just straight horror movies, straight action movies, but there's a lot of human drama and a lot of just humanity in them as well, and that sort of makes the other stuff hit that much harder, right? And by the end of this, I was I was kind of getting those feels from it, so I will give it that. But I don't know. I mean, the action scenes are good. They weren't mind-blowing. And the plot, I thought, was just very derivative of a lot of things, you know? Like, yes, there's a cool twist, but overall, like, what this story is, if we just kind of explained it in full, people would be like, oh, this sounds just like, you know, X movie, Y movie, and Z movie sure. that I've already seen. Yeah. I mean, this felt more like an American movie in some sense than a South Korean movie because the plot was so straightforward and it didn't have, like, you know, mind-blowing sort of plot plot reversals and stuff like something like I saw the devil did. Um, but you oh know, my God. it does. It, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I just... know that movie. So <laughs> I'm a hundred percent with you, Chris. Oh my God. Yeah, we I... could do an entire series. Like we could do a podcast about that movie and probably talk about it for months. Dude, I have, I literally have tears running down my face when I watch that movie of both, like <laughs> just the sadness of it, but also like the joy of how good it is. It's so you know? good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What an incredible movie. So, yeah, I mean, that, certainly that's a good R.I.Y.L. for this. Uh, if you want to see where the writer of that eventually went on to. And I, I would probably watch The Witch Part 2. My R.I.Y.L. for this one, though, I mean, the best I could do was Logan. I think this is mm. like... Ultimately, the story of this, it has a lot of similarities to the Wolverine story. So there's been three Wolverine movies, uh, you know, standalone Wolverine movies. There was the first one, which was terrible. The second one, The Wolverine, which I really like. And then Logan, which was awesome. That was the yes. best of the three by a long shot. And... I think there's some similarities to this in, in who Kujayun actually is and like kind of what drives her uh, remind me a little bit of, of the Wolverine character. It also it's got a little bit of a like La Femme Nikita kind of vibe, although I haven't seen that movie in a long time. But wasn't that like maybe you don't remember that film either, but wasn't that about these like super spies that were raised from when they were kids to be like assassins or something? Been a I've, very I've, long time since I've, I've seen that movie. I've never or seen it. Or have you never movie. seen it? No. I have not no. seen it. All right. Well, my RIYLs for this one, the confident one is Logan. The less confident one is La Femme Nikita. But again, those are not horror movies at all, either one of them. So be aware of that as well. I mean, this is definitely, you could classify this as a, a sci-fi action movie. And, and I think also very easily as a superhero movie as well. And particularly because it is the start of an ongoing saga that sort of links it with the superhero genre as well. But I don't know. I mean, I, I wanted to like it more than I did. It certainly had its moments. I think this is a, a 
good filmmaker. I just, the pacing of this really was a problem for me. All fair. Very, very fair. And uh, you remind me. Um, yeah, I really like that Logan movie, man. I saw that when it, when it first came out. And, totally and you're not a superhero it. guy at all. I am not. Um, I mean, I, and, and I don't, it's, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of superhero movies that I, that I enjoy for sure. Um, but I'm, I'm not into the whole mania of the, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, I, I, I kind of, I kind of have the, the, the Tarantino outlook and Scorsese outlook on that whole thing. <laughs> well, as I said last episode, Chris, I know you're not going to see Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania. <laughs> Dude, and that's no fine. Way. I may actually go see it, but I know you won't. But yeah, I mean, you've got all these South Korean films to check out, and and, and again, I like I really like them all as well. And it, this just didn't live up to the the greats of that country cinema to me. If I could leave a lasting impression on you, please watch the Good, the Bad, the Weird. It will just, it's just. Oh. It's darling. You'll love it. Uh, clearly, I thought there was something really amazing about it because I bought it sight unseen. I think I had seen the trailer and I was like, I need to own that movie. And, and, then and, just, and Nick, maybe I upgraded to Blu-ray right after that. I was like, well, I don't want to watch a DVD. And Nick, it was that kind of thing. That, that movie, that, that movie is two hours and 10 minutes long and is constant action. Constant. It's it's like it makes your head hurt how much action is in that movie. It's amazing. Well, I'm going to have to carve some time out for that one. But yeah, that's our witch episode. <laughs> kind of, sort of. Well, yeah. look, this movie is called The Witch, so it fits. Right. And actually, we, we should mention that just one more time before we close it, is that, yeah, it is really straight. The whole time you're watching it going, why is this called The Witch? And then they just have like one reference to it at the end, which <laughs> which also I did think was kind of cool. But I did too. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And again, I, I as I've said on the show a couple of times, I like that Shudder is flexible enough to allow stuff like this to be part because, you know, not everybody just wants to watch horror films all the time. Even a Shudder subscriber is looking for a little bit of variety in their life. I think I'm sure. that way, and I, I know you're that way too. So I have no problem with this being on there. I mean, this is uh, reminds me a little bit of the world of Conoco. I thought that was a better movie than this, but again, that's not a horror movie at all, although the brutality and the violence in it certainly is, is at the level that horror fans are used to and comfortable with and kind of like in some sense. So I think this fits into that category. Well, it's, also. it's, it, and it shows because if you look at the shutter community's reviews of this movie, dude, Pretty good. a lot of five scholars in there, man. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's, <laughs> it's a five scholar, five scholar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Oh, well, boy. we are very interested in your thoughts on this film or anything else, or throw us some suggestions for what we're doing in the future. Like, we have no plans. We'll come up with... I'd like to... I know we still haven't been consistent getting episodes out, but we will get better and better. I promise. It's The year is young, sort of, yet. It's March already, but still sort of young. We'll get back on track. We're going to have this one out on time, I promise. But, yeah, let us know what you would like to hear about on the show, and we will keep checking Shutter for what's coming out. I know one thing I absolutely want to do this year is a Mother's Day episode. We'll either do creepy kid movies or creepy pregnancy movies because there's a ton of those on Shutter as well. I'd, I'd like to have my wife be a guest. Uh, I don't know that she. We may have a guest before May, before Mother's Day this year, but she really likes those kind of movies, so I think she'd be fun to talk to about like Prevenge or something like that. We'll come up with some good ones for that one. But other than that, there's really nothing on the docket. We're kind of figuring it out as we go along, and and based on what Shutter keeps adding, um, you know, like The Witch, we're just sort of looking 
looking for suggestions for new episodes. So definitely shoot them over to us. We're interested in what you are thinking about and probably we'll go back to some national cinemas and go back to other things. So let us know what you think. If you would like to get in contact with us via email, we are at shutteringpod at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter at shutteringpod. We have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash shutteringpod. And we have a website where you can download all of our episodes, find our subscription links. That is shutteringpod.simplecast.com. We would also really, really appreciate a rating and a text review so that we can get this show out to more horror fans, hopefully, and get more suggestions for stuff to watch. Because, uh, like, as we've said so many times, it's just been so fun to explore the Shutter library and pull things out like Eyes of Fire that we know nothing about. And turns out some of them are honestly pretty good. I know it. I love it. Yes, we are. We are. Nick and I are both extremely um, busy people, but we are dedicated to the show. We love doing this and uh, not too bad. I mean, this now makes uh, 16, 32 movies. So, man, so much more to come. Shudder, I am so glad that you exist. Yeah, me too. I guess we'll leave it at that. Let's go out on a positive note tonight. Uh, if you're not already a subscriber to Shudder, we are not sponsored by Shudder, but you should probably get Shudder. You can watch all of these movies. on. Check out Eyes of Fire, man. Like Then you yeah. can tell people how cool that movie is, and people will be like, what is that? <laughs> like, ah, I saw something that you've never, I know you've never seen this movie. All right, yeah. we'll catch up with you in a couple of weeks on The Shuddering. <laughs>